1: Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills all the time. And now Matt Beauvais and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. From Bar Bill in Rochester to my basement in Sal, I believe that's your attic, that's correct? I mean come on, no, this is Studio Capaccio.
2: What are you talking about here? My Studio
1: fatty. Capaccio. Okay. Studio Capaccio and my basement, not Studio Bove. Literally <laughs> walk down the stairs in front of a bookshelf. Thank yes. you everybody for watching us and listening to us on another episode of It's Always Game Day at Buffalo, Matt Bove, Sal Capaccio here. Before we get anywhere. We want to thank you, thank you, thank you for those of you who came to Barbill. They came and said hi to us. We took some pictures with people. The turnout, the support was awesome. It was the first time we've done something like that. We really, really appreciated it. We had some great conversations. We had some great wings. And hopefully, Sal, this could be the start of something we do more and more often because it seems like it was a pretty successful
2: evening. It was great. It was great. I mean, people came by early. They wanted to say hi. Um, you know, they were really awesome just to say, to say hi, to come here, be awesome. And, uh, to, you know, say like, Hey, we don't want to bother you, but don't worry. Like we don't mind being bothered. That's why we do this for people like you and to listen to bills, talk and to talk to us about the Buffalo bills. Matt and I are both, like we always say, we're people, people, we love being around people. We love our jobs. So thank you so much for coming. It was a great night. And again, down the road, maybe we'll have more of these, maybe these meetups, these greetups, and uh, maybe we'll do some on-location stuff. But in the meantime, and also, thanks to Bar Bill Rochester for hosting yes, us. Yeah, for uh, sure. Absolutely. I think it's like, like right there where it is. And uh, it's on Empire Boulevard. We'll give them a little love. 1129 Empire Boulevard. Want to ha- uh, head up there. But they they did an awesome job, and the food was tremendous, as you would expect.
1: Yeah, those Cajun honey butter barbecue wings, man. They never disappoint. <laughs> I was really impressed, too. I had the lemon pepper wings for the first time, and those were also Ooh, magnificent. Yeah. I very much enjoyed that. So that and was before, at the beginning.
2: Before we say anything else, let me say, oh, let's thank Jenna Cottrell. Yes. Mike yes. Kelana, they both joined us, and then we were joined mm-hmm. by our friends, Catherine Fitzgerald of the Buffalo News and Elena yep. Getz of ESPN, who came by to say hi and support, and we appreciate that. And much yes. love to all Yes,
1: very cool. Thank you to all four of you for coming. Much appreciated. You know, we've talked a lot on the podcast. We've got some really, really great people on the beat who cover the Bills, and we were lucky for their support. So, like I alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, we are back in Buffalo, and that is because the Bills' next practice on Friday evening is at the stadium in Buffalo. So, what have we learned since we went to bar bill on Monday and now we're here at the end of the week. So that is one, two, three practices since we were out at bar bill Sal, anything in particular stand out now that we are seven days into training camp, we've got a full week of pa- uh, practice in the books, multiple days with pads on three days with pads on the time we're recording this. We're actually recording this during the hall of fame game. So football season is here. We've got football, <laughs> every week from now until mid-February, which is just
2: magnificent. So I think we've learned a couple things, but they're really more confirmation of things we've Mm -hmm. already known. But we did get confirmation. Mm -hmm. Let's start with Dorian Williams is not going to factor into the middle linebacker spot. He is a will linebacker. Now, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it's off the table as he progresses in his NFL career or even later this season. Maybe something happens with the Bills say, we got to start putting him there we got to get our best guys in the field. We love what he brings or, Hey, he has enough now that he knowledge of the defense or an injury. Unfortunately that could happen. But we know now that Dorian Williams is not training in a linebacker. The bills aren't going to put him there. And I'll go back to the draft. When they drafted this kid, I said, he screams to me to be more of a will linebacker. And I don't know if they want to really put all that on his plate with the mic. And there was a lot of pushback. And then the bills even said, no, we're going to put him at Mike linebacker. And fans said, see, he's a Mike," but, I think that that is what's happening now. I think what the issue is, if you want to put it that way, I I think the reason why he's just a will linebacker is probably because he is a rookie and you don't want to give him all of this responsibility on his plate where he could just focus on one thing and that's playing fast at the will linebacker spot sideline to sideline because you have already capable guys in the other spot. Maybe later he transitions there.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I think he can be a special teams contributor in the interim. I think that he's still going to find a way onto the field. It feels like they like his athleticism and they like what he could bring to the table. Learn behind Matt Milano. It's a really good person to learn behind. Doesn't seem like he's going to factor into that um, competition for who's going to replace Tremaine Edmonds. We also have learned and kind of gotten confirmation that it feels like it's now a two-horse race. We talked a little bit on the last episode about Balin Specter. On Thursday morning, Sean McDermott kind of said without saying, this is a job for two people and they're battling for it. And that is Tyrell Dodson and for Terrell Bernard. And the reason he kind of said that was because they have been going through a rotation and it has been very heavily involving those two people. Balan Specter stepped in for a day, but that was short lived. I think they wanted to see what he brought to the table. He looked very serviceable in that role. Now it was a practice. So let's not get overboard here. I still think Balan Specter has a chance of making this team. He made the team last year. So I yeah. still think he's got a chance of making the team this year. I would say, though, it is between Tyrell Dodson and it's between Terrell Bernard. I don't know if I would say one guy is ahead of the other guy. I think I would say just for the sake of familiarity, Tyrell Dodson is probably the front runner at this point just because he's been on the field more. They know what he can do. We talked about it with Jenna when she was on the last podcast at Barbill. It feels like there are a couple positions where you just need to be a little bit conservative. That feels like a position where you can be conservative. You can put the conservative player in Tyrell Dodson next to the really high upside player in Matt Milano and probably get by, especially because so much of that position is kind of being the eyes and ears for the defense. It's communicating the message to the defense. And we know because he has been in the system, that should be something he's capable and can handle.
2: I think the other thing we learned on the other side of the ball is there is truly competition going on between between Osiris Torrance and Ryan Bates. And as we spoke about it, bar bill yes. Sean McDermott basically confirmed when I asked him about it at the press conference on Thursday, it's unfortunate to say it this way, but it's true. Ryan Bates flexibility might actually hurt him in this battle. The bills mm-hmm. love Ryan Bates flexibility. That's why he's going to be on the team. He's super valuable, but his flexibility is so valuable that they may say, hey, we don't want him to pigeon, pigeonhole him into one spot. We want to have him available at left guard or right guard or center if something happens, and you just plug him in. Then all week he has to kind of know all three spots, something happened to one of those, he goes in. Whereas if he starts at right guard, something happens to Mitch Morse, he has to move over, Torrance goes in, you're actually changing out two spots. The Bills have traditionally always had a player like that. And McDermott even kind of said it today, right? Which was, yes, it, that that is something that we really value, And everybody wants to start, but it also allows you to stay in this league a long time, which is true. And that would be great for Ryan Bates to have the flexibility to have a long career. It
1: feels like that flexibility ensures you a longer career, but doesn't necessarily ensure you more starts along the way or more money along the way. Because you can do a little bit of everything and you can really make a name for yourself over a decade or a decade plus, but maybe you're never quite good enough to completely lock down a starting job for years. So that's just kind of my take on it. I still think he's very much in this. I think they want to see what Osiris Torrance can bring to the table. That competition feels like it might go even longer than some of the other ones. One of the things that McDermott was asked about today, it was actually a question for me is, is there like a baseline of, okay, we want to know all of our starters by the second preseason game, for example. And he said, no, they just want to know once they have a decision on one, They'll kind of put a bow on that and then they'll move on to the next one. It does not have to be like we make the decision for all of these positions at once. It can be, we'll make the decision for middle linebacker week, you know, in a week, we'll make the decision for cornerback two in three weeks. We'll make the decision at guard the week before the season. It it could be a little bit all over the place. The only other really true competition we haven't talked about so far is cornerback two. And I feel like that one, there are the most cooks in the kitchen. I feel like there's still a lot of options for the bills Dane Jackson, you have been pretty vocal on the podcast saying you think that right now he's probably the front runner. That was a couple days ago, so we'll see if you still feel the same way. I have said multiple times it would be a disappointment if Kyer Elam doesn't win the job. And then there's Christian Benford, who kind of just continues to put himself into the conversation. I think Dane Jackson in this situation is almost like Levi Wallace. Levi Wallace, they tried to like have somebody come in and replace him. And every, every year... year. He just hung around and was the starting corner opposite Trey. And he was serviceable. I will say we are recording this after day seven. This is Thursday. Elam had a good day today. Context also matters. Kyrie Elam had an interception on Thursday. It was a pretty blatant hold. It happened right in front of me. It also was on a drill where they were specifically working on fourth downs. So you are throwing the ball no matter what. So, you're following along beat reporters and people who are at Bill's practice. And they say, Kyrie Elam with an interception. Yes, sort of, because it looked like a hold for my point. Now there were refs there. I do not know if the refs called it a holding or if they said it was totally fine. It was still a nice play. He broke in front of a slant route. I think Sherfield was the intended receiver, but there's a lot, there's context here. So it's like, yes, nice play. Kyrie Elam trending up, but not like, oh my goodness, lock them into that spot right now because we still got a long way to go. I think they're still the most up in the air with this position battle.
2: Ooh, I don't know about most up in the air, but I agree with the more cooks in the kitchen because um, I think the other ones are still up in the air, I guess, that's why. But I agree with you, it really is up in the air. Like there's, It's close. And and I, I've i always said Dane Jackson's only the front runner for the, what we've talked about. Like he, They know him, they know his skill set, they know what he brings. It's like McDermott said about, he goes, we know what we can get. We know what Tyrell Dodson is. That's what he said today. And mm-hmm. he said, we just you know, haven't seen it over 17 games, and could that be the guy? That's what you'd have to have there at middle linebacker. Same thing for the rest of the other guys. Dane Jackson, he has, though. Dane Jackson played last year. He played all last year. Uh, I want to go back to the interception. See, I thought it was a miscommunication. I'm glad you said that. I didn't realize. Maybe it wasn't miscommunication. What I saw was John Josh kind of looking. Maybe Josh was throwing his hands up to say it was a hold, not because mm-hmm. it was communication. Um yeah. So I'm glad you brought that context to it. You know what else at an interception? Dane Jackson. That wasn't that, a hold. From what I saw, no, that was that, Josh missed firing, and Josh was, bit- was rolling and mm-hmm. overshot his receiver, and Dane did a great job to track it.
1: Yeah, Josh was rolling to his left along the sideline. He had a receiver not really open, but you could tell he was trying not to run for the first down, so mm-hmm. he forced a really bad throw. That's not an excuse on him. It was a bad throw. If he did that in a game, it would have been a really bad decision. I almost wonder, though, if in a game that's one that he just tucks down, rolls himself, runs for the first down, And calls it a day. I think they're almost being overcautious of those situations after the little injury scare with the Charlie horse on the play that they ran where Josh was hit pretty hard on Monday. So, yeah, that was a really nice play by Dane Jackson, a really bad decision from Josh Allen on that interception. This has been kind of the story the entire training camp. There are good days for the offense. And then bad days for the offense and good days for the defense. Then there's a really good day for the defense and it's just back and forth. And I think that's honestly a good sign. I think it would probably be a bit concerning at this point if there was a clear cut dominant side of the ball. And it's not because, The Bills have a really good offense and they should have a really good defense this year. I think they're going to be above average or top of the league and really both of those sides, but you know, it would be a bit concerning. This is the sign of a good team. Some days, the offense looks better. Some days, the defense looks better day seven. I would say the offense started better. The defense finished a little bit better. That happens. But in those 11 on 11 drills with pads on, there's a lot to like, there's some really, really nice plays. Top of the list. I mean, Kincaid, I mean, D- Diggs is still Stefan
2: Diggs, right? Well, still, Sean always says iron sharpens iron. I think that's what you're seeing on a daily basis out of Bills mm-hmm. camp. So, real quick before we move on to something else, let me ask you: After the two interceptions, he had also one from Jordan Poyer the other day. Also, mm-hmm. I mean, Josh has thrown some picks. Any concern there? There's people we we no. we tweet out picks, and it, you're right, we tweet out pi- you know, like, that there were picks, not pictures, and mm-hmm. oh, we X out right now. I guess you have to say it's not Twitter anymore, but um, oh, yeah. Put it out there, and there's always the there's always the balance of are you mad because the offense did something wrong and the defense did great? Are you mad because the defense did something wrong and the offense did great? Well, there's been some interceptions. But, man, I'll tell you, Jordan Poirier made a great play a couple um, practices ago, and then mm-hmm. Dane Jackson and Josh overfired him. But any concern from some interceptions? Well, it's a buzzword, and it's Josh Allen.
1: So you yeah. talk about the thing that he is most often criticized of, and it's the mistakes. And then when you see it happen in the setting, I think people tend to think, oh, my gosh, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. It's going to like further validate whatever you feel. If you think Josh Allen isn't very good and has a turnover problem, you're going to say, look, he can't even complete passes during training camp. He's throwing interceptions now. If you think that Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL, you're going to say it's training camp. What are you talking about? I am closer to that than I am to its turnover problem. Because I think now is the time you try stuff. I think now yeah. is the time you try and force throw to the sideline that ultimately gets intercepted by Dane Jackson. I think now is the time where you try and figure out your timing on a slant when Trent Shurfield, and then maybe there's a holding, but we're got, whatever happens, it's intercepted by Kyrie Lam. Try those things now. Don't try those in a game when it's the actual regular season. See what you can get away with. So, no, I'm not overly concerned, but I will say – Every year, he's got something that he works on. Last year, was putting his receivers in a position where they could get more yards after contact. This year, he has said it's about playing smarter situational football. So they are putting an emphasis on protecting the football and not shooting themselves in the foot as many times as they did last year. So that needs to be an area where they're a little bit cleaner. Not a little bit cleaner. I would say significantly cleaner. I think the the baseline in my head for Josh Allen, what did he, what did he have, 15 interceptions last year? Do you know off the top of your head? Take a look at that. You look that up. My, I'm, well, I can look that up. But I, I would say 10 is too low because of the way he plays, and I'm totally okay with that number. I would say 11 and a half should be his over-under for. yeah. He had 15, he had 14 interceptions last year. He had 15 the year before. I would say going into this season, thank you, Lucas. He just messaged us 14 picks. I would say. 11 and a half. That should be the over under for interceptions for him this year.
2: Yeah. I mean, as of right now, I'm not too concerned about that. I mean, you know, obviously you want as few as possible, but I agree with you that I'm not concerned about it. We have a body of work here that the guy was one of the top MVP candidates over the last three years. So I'm not going to get a few interceptions in training camp, but I am a little, maybe just wondering about some guys. So let's talk about some guys that haven't really popped the way. Maybe we had expected or hoped. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, it's always game day, Buffalo, WGR Sports Radio, 550, WKBW-TV, Channel 7, TV in Buffalo. Want to thank everybody for coming on board, audio, video, Matt, our Bar Bill podcast. On the video side of things, folks, we're doing video all the time, in case you don't know that, at Sal Sports on YouTube. Close to 8,000 views in a couple of days, man. Loving it. It's great. Yeah, for
1: sure. I mean... The only downfall to the video is before we started doing this podcast, I had to go change into like a respectable <laughs> t-shirt and not the t-shirt that I was wearing. So yeah, we just have to make ourselves, I don't want to say look good because that's not the case, but presentable, presentable in the terms for a podcast. I'm not, you know, showing up here in a suit and tie or in a collared shirt or anything like that, but you know, I got to make sure the hair looks okay. And we've got that training camp tan right now. So
2: we got that going. Yes. For us. My wife was just telling me I have a training camp tan going on. You look you look great, buddy, by the way. Don't worry. You look absolutely fabulous. And I appreciate you. Thank wanna, you. We also want to remind everybody, if you have watched us a video and you're like, oh, I can download audio, of course. iTunes, Spotify, wherever you pod. We appreciate it. It's always game day in Buffalo. Okay. So some guys, let's put it this way. I I think the best way to phrase this is let's talk about guys that maybe we'd like to see a little more from. Maybe we'd like to see a play where they catch our eye that we haven't seen that particular play or a day where we're like, okay, it doesn't mean they've done anything wrong or, oh my God, like go cut this guy. That's not what we're saying because Mm -hmm. there have been guys I've been thinking about that I'm like, okay, I'm just waiting for that to happen. And Mm -hmm. first on my list is Khalil Shakir. Now I will tell you, I don't think Khalil Shakir is the, oh my God, eye-catching, you know, Uh super athlete, makes highlight real plays. That's, that's not it. But I do think in year two, a guy here who could have a significant role in the offense. I've been expecting maybe to have a few more plays here or there when I'm like, okay, I'm really seeing this. This is how it's going to work. I think he's a viable candidate and a fine candidate to be a punt returner on this team. I'm, I I liked him a lot coming out. I liked him last year, thought he should play more. I think he has good hands. He runs good routes. I think he's going to play in this league a while. I'm just waiting for the day where I go, okay, that's why I'm saying all these things.
1: I think that Khalil Shakir Khalil Shakir, is an interesting person to bring up because I still have increased expectations going into the season. There just haven't been the flashes during camp that there were last year. Right. But you can look at that two ways because last year there were the flashes. And then I think as a, a body of work in total, it was probably less than people expected. Maybe this year there's a little bit less flashy of a training camp but he's actually utilized more once the season gets going because he has some success early. And that kind of builds some momentum. I think that's a very, very fair person to say for me, this is somebody we talked about before we started the podcast. Damian Harris was the first name that came to mind when we started having this conversation, just because I have said, I thought Damian Harris was going to get a pretty substantial role in this offense. And now I don't even know who's going to have more touches, Damian Harris or Latavius Murray. I think it'll be, I think it'll be Damian Harris. I do, but I think there'll be a pretty sizable gap between James Cook touches and then Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. I think going into training camp, I would have said James Cook and Damian uh, Harris are in kind of one bucket. And then Naheem Hines and Latavius Murray are kind of in another bucket. Now I think obviously we know about the Naheem Hines stuff. Now I think it's James Cook is in one bucket and then Harris and Murray are in the other one. So I still think like, I th- still think Damian Harris is this team's short yard running back. It's third oh. and two, and you need a first down. I think you're handing it to Damian Harris. I still That's think great. that he's going to get – you don't think so?
2: I, no, no. I, it's funny you say that because I think it could go either way, and I agree with everything you said. But I don't think it has to be Damian Harris as a short yardage guy. I think Latavius Murray can still handle that because he's a big, big dude. Dude.
1: He's huge. Damian Harris was standing next to Josh Allen the other day, and I'm looking at both of them, and I'm like, I don't even know which one is bigger. Latavius Murray looks like he's playing the wrong position. He He looks looks like like he should be at – yes, yes. He looks like he should be on the edge, and he should be getting after the quarterback. So I still think he's got some gas left in the tank. I am not writing off Damian Harris. I think this might be the most predictable position to predict on the 53-man roster. I think right now, well, besides quarterback, probably, but I would say it's going to be James Cook. It's going to be Damian Harris, and it's going to be Latavius Murray. I think all three make the 53-man roster, especially after the Naheem Hines injury. I think Damian Harris is going to have a role on special teams. I don't think they'll ask him to do everything that Taiwan did, but I think they're going to ask him to try and do some of those things. Latavius Murray, I don't think he's playing special teams, even though he's huge. I just don't think that's happening. No, James I mean, Cook James Cook isn't playing special teams either. So that leaves it to Damian Harris. I think he'll be willing to do it. I just maybe two weeks ago thought he would be more featured in the offense than I think I now think he will be.
2: So I want to take this back into Latavius Murray. I wrote about in my um, Thursday recap at WGR550.com. He really has been popping for me. And I agree mm-hmm. with you that Damian Harris hasn't. But I don't think that's Damien Harris' style. Damien Harris is that that guy that – anyway. mean, we saw the long run Monday Night Football and the windstorm uh, you know, against the Bills when he was with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. He can do that. But his yeah. style is really what you said. It's short yardage. It's power. That's where he's going to be used. But, man, every time I look up, up, look up Latavius Murray is doing something where he looks good and he's running and you're like, you don't want to get in front of that. Matt, do you know he is the oldest running back in the NFL? Latavius Murray is? He is 33 years old. There is nobody older – on an NFL roster playing that position. Good for him. That's impressive because from what we've
1: seen, he doesn't look like no. he's, you know, crawling around the field or anything. He looks like he's got some juice in the tank and he looks pretty good. I love it. I mean, he inspires, guys,
2: he inspires guys like me at 50 to keep playing flag football. I mean, come on, he's 33, still running in the NFL. No, I mean, it's the, the only other person who would be older was Mark Ingram, but he retired to go into broadcasting. How old was Frank
1: Gore when he played for the – oh, my gosh. Frank Gore was, is 40 – he is 40 right now. So, he so when 30, he played right? for the Bills, he was 36. Mm-hmm. That's bananas that that guy was still chugging along at 36 yeah.
2: years old. And, and he was still, Murray- like, kind of effective. Yeah, Latavius Murray was effective. He played well last year. I liked it. I think Latavius Murray has juice. I think he looks young and energetic, and I love it. And I'm not predicting him to be taking more touches away from or being the number two running back. But I agree with you. I think that he's going to be a factor here. And you're going to have James Cook. Are we both on the same page now that James Cook, he, there's a wide separation. It's Cook's backfield and then it's the other guys.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. You know what? Latavius Murray averaged a carry last year. I mean, he was in two Four, spots. But maybe? Yeah, it was he when he was in... New Orleans, it was 5.2 yards a carry. And then when he was in Denver, it was 4.4 yards a carry. And Denver was not a small sample size. Like you say, oh, it was 4.4 yards a carry. He had 160 attempts for 703 yards and five touchdowns. And that was on a team that kind of stunk. So you wonder, what could he do in an offense that has Josh Allen? Because you know, when he's on the field, people are thinking about Josh Allen. They're not thinking about Latavius Murray. So that was a really long-winded way of saying, maybe had a little bit higher expectations for Damian Harris. Still think he makes the team. Still think he's a contributor. Still think he's going to be utilized in the offense. Just think it's going to be a little less than originally anticipated.
2: Anybody else that you say, you know what? You'd like to see a little bit more from than what you've seen at camp so far.
1: You know, huh? Boogie Basham is one that I think of just because for Boogie Basham, that's a crowded room. There's a lot of options there. And Boogie Basham to me, even though he has been out there with the top defense at times, I just haven't seen flash a ton. Admittedly, maybe I'm not pay- paying as close attention to specifically the defensive ends. Usually at training camp, you know, or field level, I am watching the line until it gets to Josh, and then I'm seeing where he's going with it. But Boogie Basham and Shaq Lawson, for that matter, are just two players who haven't necessarily jumped off the page while AJ Epinesa kind of has AJ Epinesa feels like a guy who has made me notice him. I obviously, you obviously noticed Leonard Floyd and Greg Rousseau, right? By the like way, Epinesa things.
2: had a real nice batted down pass of Joe passing the red zone work today. And
1: it's interesting because AJ Epinesa has kind of done this the last few years. Like AJ Epinesa was a hot name last year mm-hmm. at training camp. And the year before that. And I think because he was a second round pick, the expectations are fairly high for him. A.J. Epinesa had a totally fine year last year. Like, for what he is, as a rotational defensive end who's pretty good in the run game. There is a place for him in the NFL. I think that place continues to be here in Buffalo on a cost-controlled contract. I think he makes the team. I don't know if it's a slam dunk for Boogie Basham, though.
2: We are talking right now as the NFL season has kicked off, at least the preseason. It's the Jets, it's mm-hmm. the Browns. It is the Hall of Fame game. By the way, did you know the Jets and Browns also played in another famous game that was the first of something?
1: Do you know what that is? It wasn't a Super Bowl. No, it wasn't the Super Bowl. Um, oh, gosh. I love asking I these questions to you young kids. The first of something that was not the Super Bowl. And it was Cleveland and New York. Mm -hmm. Was it like something with the AFL?
2: No, it was Monday Night Football. First ever game. Browns Jets. When did Monday Night Football start? In the 80s? No, in the 70s. Like 72, 73? I have to look at this.
1: And who were the original? That was Cosell and who? They started like they were
2: the announcers for uh, yeah, Football? Uh, I have to go back and look. I'm not positive the original announcer. When I grew up, it was Frank Gifford, Howard Cosell, Dandy Don, Meredith, you know. So but I think they might have even had other people before that. It was so long ago, but I'm gonna look right now. But do you have a favorite?
1: I don't know if I've asked you this question before. Do you have a favorite music for one of the like
2: oh, TV that show? It. That might be Night it. It- football is still amazing.
1: I love Monday Night Football too. I think the consensus most people like, like CBS more or they like Fox more. I love the Monday Night Football music and I love the Sunday night football music. I don't know. Something about just like hearing that music gets you a little bit more juiced up for a game, especially cover covering a game or going to a game. I know the Bills have been very good for the last couple of years, and I think there's prime time fatigue for some of the fan base, just because, you know, for years and years and years it was Sunday at one o'clock. And then now they're in primetime five, six times a year. And people are like, man, what I wouldn't do for Sunday at one o'clock. But there there just is an extra juice when you hear that music and you're in the stadium or you're watching on TV. No doubt. About sorry. It. Sorry. Just a random tangent. No, do you think,
2: I get it. Do I you, like it a lot.
1: Do you buy the Jets hype? Do you think the Jets are going to be as good as some people think? Because they just showed a graphic during this and it was like the
2: odds to win the AFC East. And a lot of people um, like the Jets. I know. I think the Jets are a little overhubed because there's just so much around them. Like, I think their odds are a little crazy to have that kind of a jump. But, yeah, I do think they're going to be improved. I mean, if you tell me Aaron Rodgers stays upright for 17 games, the offensive Mm -hmm. line has some questions. I mean, he can have a bounce back here. It's all about – I mean, his thumb injury was a big deal last year. But, you know, the guy that – I think you could look at it two ways. Man, last year wasn't a great year. He's getting older. We've seen guys fall off a cliff at this age. Or say, oh my God, he was playing at an MVP level just the year before that. He won the MVP and then he was hurt last year. So, what are you going to do about that? Like now he's just, you know, he's in New York and he's got great, great weapons. There's
1: also a commercial on right now for the Olympics in Paris next year. I can't believe it's like when there's, you know, Christmas decorations out and it's August and you're like, what is going on? I can't think about Paris 2024. I can't even think about August, the middle of August 2023. How about the Browns? Do you have any opinion on the Browns? I,
2: I do. I think the Browns will be better than, you know, they, they, they're they a little undersold. Part of the issue is because they play in such a tough division. But, man, Matt, they have talent, man. They have Nick Chubb, a very, very good offensive line, as we know. They have Amari Cooper, and now Elijah Moore added into there. Um, you know, David Njoku at 10. And Deshaun Watson was spectacular last time he played a full season. Now, we don't know what the year and a half, you know, mm-hmm. he did play a half year last year, essentially. Um, so he was off for a year and a half before that. You don't know what that's going to do. I would say little suspect on their defense, but they're going to score points.
1: How do you think the AFC North plays out? Go one to four, because that's the tricky thing, because I agree with you that I think the Browns are going to be a little bit better than maybe some people think, <laughs> but I still think, are they the fourth best team in the division? Are I they know. the third? I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm down on the Steelers more than most people. Probably. I, I know. Most- I know you are. You you love Mike Tomlin. Like you have oh, yeah. made it very clear. You and, I, and rightfully so. Very very successful. I think it's Bengals, Ravens, Browns,
2: Steelers. Hmm. All right. I think the Ravens might be a little overhyped. How about that? I I mean I'm a John Harbaugh fan. They have uh-huh. talent. That you know you know Mackin's going there, being the offensive coordinator, is going to help them a lot. One to four is tough, man. Um. I'm gonna say Cincy. You know, I think I'll go. Could I, do I put? I want, I want to put Baltimore second. I don't know though. I think Pittsburgh could be second. Pittsburgh. Now I've been saying this all about Cleveland, but their defense might not hold up. So I'll say Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland. But I think it's all really good division. It's like the AFC East. Yeah. Okay. They think so Cleveland's we'll- like New England, right? I mean, they're right in the same bucket. They're not a bad team. They're gonna play well, but man, they're in a tough division
1: why don't we just do this because we're doing it? AFC West go one to four. Cause I'll I'll go, if you want me to go, it's, I mean, it's the chiefs one. It's the chiefs one to me. It's it's the, it's the chargers two. It's the Broncos three. It's the Raiders four. I think though, some people might put the Broncos ahead of the chargers this year.
2: They might. I agree with that. I think that Sean Payton is trying to reset a little bit in that organization. It's always a bit of a change and I'm not positive that, Russell Wilson can be fixed after what I saw last year. So I'm not going to put them number two. I think the Chargers are still second most talented and they'll probably be number two, but I understand that thought. And the Raiders just are not going to be good. The Raiders might be the worst team in the NFL next year.
1: All right. And let's just finish it with AFC South. We'll do an entire episode on the AFC East, but
2: the AFC South, it's, it's the Jags. Ooh, how we, how we plan it. it's okay. It's good. I love it. Right. Um, what do you got? Jags first. Jags first. Second.
1: I don't know the Niagara Weedfield Falcons varsity football team. I, I don't know who comes
2: after the Jags. I, is there a clear cut number two there? It I, feels I, like they're all to me. To me, Tennessee does now with the addition of Hopkins. They still have Tannehill. They still have Derrick Henry. Um, they're so weird. I don't. I don't
1: yeah, their Titans are so weird to me. I, I, don't, I don't think know they're a great team, is. but
2: the other two teams are not as good as them. Okay, so let's go Jags Titans. Then for me, it's probably Colts Texans. I'm going to go Texans Colts. I think Anthony Richardson, rookie quarterback recent. Now, I know CJ Stroud, but I'd like, I like D'Amico Ryan's the head coach, what they're doing there. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to think the Houston Texans are going to be the third team in the Colts rounded out, especially if Jonathan Taylor doesn't play for them.
1: Give me a sleeper team in the NFL and then I'll give you, it could be AFC you know, or NFC you, the AFC. in the entire NFL that you think is going to surprise people this year. Oh, I yeah. have one. If you want me to start. Oh, you go ahead then. If you have one, in my I think team. the saints, I think the Saints could be good this year. I think they've got a strong defense. I like Derek Carr more than some people. I think Olave is sick. I think that, you know, you add Jamal Williams and you've got this uncertainty with Kamara coming off of a really bad year. Even if he is suspended for a while, I think you can bridge the gap with Jamal Williams. And then I saw on one of the morning shows, I think it was ESPN, maybe it was NFL Network. They showed a list. Actually, no, it was. It was a clip of a radio host in New Orleans. And he was going through all of the quarterbacks that these Saints play this year. It is laughable. They, they don't play like any good quarterbacks, there's a handful of them. There's a couple. So you look at the matchups and you go, okay, is Derek Carr the better quarterback here? And it was like 12 of the weeks, Derek Carr was the better quarterback. So I think the Saints could be a team that, you know, hits their over makes the playoffs. And I don't want to say makes noise because I think that they're top out at like, you know, you win a wild card game and then you lose, but I don't think there's a lot of buzz around the Saints in the NFL.
2: All right, well, I'm just going to go back to the Steelers. I think the Steelers are better than people give them credit for. I think the Steelers will fight for a playoff spot this year and could very well do it. I'm not going to say they're going to contend for the AFC North, but you know how much I love Mike Tomlin. That's right. Mm-hmm. As I like to say, he rolls out of bed and wins nine games. Now you have Kenny Pickett, who a really good second half. Last year, you have some additions they made in the offseason. I'm going to go with the Steelers as a sleeper team. I just think it's tough in the AFC for anybody to be a sleeper. So that's the team I'm going with. All right, I got a question for you. I'm going to take questions from the listeners, too. First of all, Matt, first Monday night game. I never answered your question. September 21st, 1970. I wasn't even born. 1970
1: was when they started Monday night football. Yeah. Mhm. Was- had TVs then? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> just I mean kidding. it was crazy, right? And it Get shows you and it shows you the trajectory of the NFL, also just the trajectory of sports and television and this behemoth that has become that. But when you watch now, I was thinking about this tonight. This is the hall of fame game. You have to be a real football sicko to watch the hall of fame game. And it's (laughs) on in the background right now. I'm watching it. Will more people watch this than like probably a lot of sporting events, like regular season sporting events, like the hall of fame. the the Hall of Fame game will get a better number, a better rating than what every baseball game this year. Is that probably accurate? Every uh, hockey I mean, game this year, uh, maybe
2: I guess. Um, you know, yeah, I probably until, I,
1: until I, the playoffs, not like playoff, you know, not like the World Series or anything, right. but like the national you know, baseball
2: games. Like right now, right now, as the Hall of Fame game is going on, the Yankees and Astros are playing also on national TV on another network. Well, one's on NBC, one's on Fox. Which gets a better rating? Oh,
1: it's, it's not even close. Right. I don't, I don't think, do you know what? So this is a little like TV stuff for you. The ratings for bills games in Buffalo are astronomical. It is insane. How many people are watching their TVs or, you know, you're on the broadcast for the radio, listening to the radio. If you are home, you're in Buffalo, your TV is on and you're watching the bills game. It's, insane it's not like that in every market basically every tv in this area is turned on to a bills game and then when you consider there are people at the game there are people watching with friends there are people watching at restaurants or bars or parties it is just nuts to know that like when the bills are on in western new york everything stops for those three and a half hours
2: well let me get to a question i wanted to ask you speaking of hall of fame game Mm -hmm. right now right now look at the bills roster Mm-hmm. Who are you very confident in will eventually someday make it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame?
1: Von Miller 100%. is a lock. Is a is a lock.
2: Yep. that's
1: he could retire tomorrow and yes. be a Hall of Famer. That's
2: right. Nobody else could retire tomorrow and be a Hall of Famer on this team. No. Okay. Who I is think going to make it? You are confident.
1: I think at his current trajectory, Josh Allen is a call, is a Hall of Famer. Agreed. I think. Josh needs to do if if he wins a Super Bowl and stays in this trage- Even if he doesn't win a Super Bowl and he stays at this trajectory, he's a Hall of Fame player. If he does, I think that solidifies it as like okay, you're if you're not a first ballot, maybe you're a second ballot Hall of Famer. All right,
2: let, let me let me rephrase a question for you. Let's make this a little bit more open. This up a little bit. If the Bills win the Super Bowl this year, mm-hmm. this year, then give me these guys because I think that does change. I, that gives you the bling. Gives you the ring and it gives you more cachet. Let's pretend the Bills win the Super Bowl. Who on this roster eventually is a Hall of Fame player when their career is over?
1: Von Miller, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. Agreed.
2: Can I give you one that you want to debate? You ready to talk about? I think I know. Who Matt, you're Milano? Say I Matt, say Matt Milano? I was going to say Matt Milano. I was going to say. Could he be? Zach Thomas just got in.
1: If they win a Super Bowl, I mean he's already got an all pro under his belt. Uh-huh. I think foot I think the thing about Matt Milano and it doesn't really matter but maybe it does more than I'm giving it credit for. It. Matt Milano I don't think it's a ton of name recognition.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think Matt Milano has tons of people outside of Buffalo and really hardcore football fans who are like, "Ooh, Matt Milano." Like I don't <laughs> think there really no, is actually a ton of buzz around linebackers in general right now. He, he got
2: most... it last year, but it's taken,
1: a... it's taken six years. Who is the most recognizable linebacker in the entire NFL?
2: I mean, well, it just like off ball linebacker, not edge rusher. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like an off ball linebacker, not an edge rusher. Um, is it
2: probably Fred Warner? I was going to say, is it Fred? War... Is it Bobby Wagner still? Maybe, Yeah. Recognizable. Sure. I mean, yeah. Him Roquan Smith.
1: Yeah. I don't know linebacker is a weird one to me.
2: I just, but to circle back, I mean, I think, um, you have, I would say this, think about it this way. If Matt Milano plays out this contract in a Buffalo Bills uniform where he just, he has like four more years now, Mm -hmm. he would have played 10 years, at least make one all pro That's legacy stuff. That's easily wall of fame. If not more, depending on what type of seasons the team has.
1: Yes. The other person that came to mind was
2: trey right me too because you have, to have a really good great if tradavius white becomes an all pro again after the injury this year yeah 28 years old which is what he is he's he's on he might be on that trajectory
1: yeah it's it's i feel like there's three and then there's the conversation for everybody else if they yep. win a super bowl in buffalo von miller is already in Josh, I think, is in regardless of if they win one or if they don't, if he stays on this trajectory. Because I don't think he could have – I know the Cam Newton comparison has been thrown around. I don't necessarily think that's fair. Cam Newton kind of hit a wall and then fell off pretty quick. If that is avoided from Josh Allen, then I think he's a Hall of Famer. In Diggs, you look at Stephon Diggs' numbers, he's really impressive. Like, this he is going to be a conversation with him in like two more years. Is LaShawn McCoy a Hall of Famer? Because I was thinking about, I was, I, think I was
2: having, it's close. Yeah. I think he just misses. He does have two Super Bowl rings, but he didn't play really in the Super Bowls. But I think he just misses. Um, it's when he's right there. He's like, like a little below the cut line. I'm okay with him not getting in. I'm not okay with this, the guy who went to the same high school and played on the same pro team as him in the Philadelphia Eagles, Ricky Waters, not being in. Ricky Waters, get Ricky Waters in the Hall of Fame, people, okay? He deserves to be in. So the next bill that will get into the Hall of Fame is Vaughn, right? Right. Well, nobody... well, well. Hold on, Frank Gore. unless Steve Tasker gets in through the um, senior committee, which he's now eligible.
0: That uh-huh.
2: happened. Yeah, I think Frank Gore gets in, and I think he probably gets in before Vaughn because Vaughn is going to play a couple more years. You can... Vaughn's at least Vaughn's seven years away from being eligible, basically. Yeah. Hmm. So you really is Frank Gore a Hall of Famer? Yeah. Okay, this is a good debate. I've had it on the radio with Jeremy White and other people. I'm not saying he says different. I know he's a compiler. I get it. He also played running back in the NFL at the highest of left. Was really, really good for the longest time. That's that's Hall of Fame to me. How do you leave out like the third or fourth leading rusher all time? I don't care how many years he played.
1: I know, but I think LaShawn McCoy is better than Frank Gore.
2: Hall of Fame is about numbers, man.
1: Yeah, I know. LeSean's got the number. He's not in. Bo Jackson
2: isn't. Oh, of course not. He played like a three seasons in the NFL.
1: Yeah, you think Bo ja- Bo Jackson was better than that? I've never I never watched Bo Jackson play. Jackson I just
2: running back who ever played. He's never played enough because he got hurt.
1: Yeah, did he play baseball or football longer? Do you know?
2: He played baseball longer. Played football later, but Frank Gore. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I. Yes, I've had this debate with people before. I just, I can't get off it. Frank Gore is, how do you, how can you constantly, Matt, you're in that room, right? I'm just going to mm-hmm. walk into you and say, uh, he's the third leading rusher in NFL history. Yeah. How do you not put him in?
1: Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. All right, you want to answer some Twitter questions? Uh, what are they called? X questions? Yeah, Twi- yeah, you go ahead. Yep, what do you got for me? You know, the uh, things on the social media app. All right, this yeah. one. Favorite throwback jerseys. You got one that you would like to give a shout out to? It doesn't have to be football; it could be anything. Um, favorite throwback jerseys?
2: I think I mean the Chargers already have great jerseys, but the throwbacks are really good as well. Yeah. Throw favorite throwback? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of really good ones. What do you like? In hockey, Buccaneers uh, maybe the Buccaneers. Yeah, the, creamsicles. the the Creamsicles. That's a good one. Yeah.
1: In hockey, I love the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. I think those should be their okay. jerseys forever. In football, I really like the um Cream Skull jerseys, but I will say I also love the um the new the the old Seahawks jerseys, the jerseys that they used to wear. I think those are super clean. I have a gripe though that I want to make very clear here. You should not get to wear the jersey of a team if it moved. In the, org, you know what I mean? Like the Tennessee Titans should never be allowed to wear the Houston Oilers jerseys. That so is the a Carolina slap
2: should be allowed should to not wear hard, hard for, no, absolutely hey, now, not.
1: That, that I, is a I, slap in the face of those, those fan
2: base. I 100% agree with you, except my colleague Bulldog made me rethink this because he brought right. up one example and I'm like, oh yeah. Do you really get mad if the LA Clippers wear the Buffalo Braves uniforms?
1: Maybe there's a statute of limitations. Ah, <laughs> <see?
0: sighs>
1: right. Yeah, that's a good point. I never really thought about it that way. But that was like forever ago. Didn't the Braves oh. leave in? Didn't the Braves leave in the seventies? Seventies, yeah. That was a long time ago.
2: I mean, it was a long time ago that the Oilers left for Tennessee. It was the, well, the, the early nineties. That's thirty years ago.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a fair point. It's hey, a fair point. All right. Thank you, Bulldog. Um, okay. This is just an interesting question. This is from Jay. How worried should we be about right tackle? Cause I think if you go down the line, I think, you know, you know, it's going to be Dion, you know, it's going to be Connor McGovern. You know, it's going to be Mitch Morris. Then we have the question of like, okay, is it Osiris Torrance or Ryan Bates? There's really not, anybody competing with Spencer Brown, but it also feels like that might be the least steady spot on the offensive line.
2: It's a good point. And by the way, Spencer Brown did leave the the field a little bit earlier than everybody. He didn't miss practice time at the end of practice. Looked like he was having trouble bending over a bit and he walked off the field with trainers as the other, as the rest of the team was stretching. So I do wonder what happens there. Uh, I don't know. Should be worried. You know, let let's see how this plays out for the next few weeks in preseason. I think well, we can give you a, a much better handle on it then.
1: But do you – is his starting? If he's healthy, is his starting job
2: safe? Yes. Who, who's beating so? him out? Like you just said, you don't, I mean who's beating him out? I don't know. I, 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 don't know. I don't know. No. You know the guy that would be the guy that would beat him out probably is Brandon Shell.
1: Yes, because he started what twelve games for the Dolphins last year. Yeah, I mean you know so that's probably the guy that you would you would put there but I don't think they're going to do that no. um okay so we've actually inadvertently answered a couple of these questions like Scott said yeah. we always hear about who's doing good at camp what about some guys who need to make a little bit of a progress middle of the offensive line has it looked better than last year that's from Phil I think so I think yeah. Connor McGovern yeah. looks like an improvement and I think that regardless of Bates or Torrance that will also be a step up. So I, I think the middle of the line looks better. I also think the middle of the line will look better if the bookends of the line look better. And I'm anticipating a better year from Deion Dawkins and I'm anticipating a better year from Spencer Brown on the right side too. Cause I think there's only room to go, but up, especially there.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, that McTurvin has kind of solidified that. And Hey, I mean, if Osiris Torrance, I've been saying on the radio, if he wins the job, it might be more of an indictment on everybody else. Maybe not. I, I'll tell you, I did watch a really interesting rep between Puna Ford and Osiris Torrance at practice on Thursday. And Puna is so strong. He got low and he got under him. So he drove Osiris Torrance back. You don't want to see that, but to Torrance's credit, he never got disengaged. He stayed on him. He didn't allow him to go. over. He was getting beat. He was getting pushed back. I mean, that's come on. That's veteran rookie, really strong guy. So, I'll give him credit there. And I, I like that that he he was able to kind of hold that side of his ground. I Meaning he was wasn't holding his ground. He wasn't anchored, but he was getting pushed back. But he never allowed Pune to disengage. He kind of stayed with him and, you know, stayed in front of him. So I guess I I like that.
1: This one's from Chris, who actually came to the uh, meetup at Bar Bill. We got a picture with him, but he just said, based on the depth of the roster, any trade candidates that you can think of as they get closer oh, to cut yeah. down day? I this like that question. A,
2: this is a, um, a a good question for maybe later, like a few weeks from now, but I love it because I think there's a few, man, right? You, you brought yeah. up Boogie Basham. Like, look Boogie, the Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, Shaq Lawson. I don't think you'd get anything from Shaq. But Boogie, Boogie and AJ, right? They'd be
1: on Yep. Right? Boogie, AJ. <sighs> yeah. Oh, could you get anything for? Could you get anything for? I think Cam Lewis makes the team now. So then that makes you wonder well, well, in the well, secondary.
2: Why well, didn't you say that?
1: That I think Cam Lewis makes the team. Yes, he's been all over the place. They use him everywhere, everywhere.
2: They do. He's very versatile. I think the numbers are challenging there, though. I do too. How many? Because they're going to keep what four safeties and five corners. Yes. Where do you find? No. no you you got to go sick deep to get to Saran Neal, and he's making it.
1: Okay, so your safeties
2: are... So the seventh are, corner.
1: Your safeties are... Well, yes, but what if you think of him more as like Taiwan's replacement than you think of him as like strictly a DB? Yes. Because that. that's his only way. But they're using him yeah. everywhere. I think... Here's okay. the reason
2: why I think it's hard to think of him that way. Because there's other guys like Justin Shorter to me who could be Taiwan's replacement. Yeah, you're probably do you do right.
1: Then? I think you get I think you can get Cam to the practice squad easier
2: than you can get Justin Shorter to the practice squad. Um, I don't think you I don't think he's subject to waivers anymore anyway. I think we really is okay. hasn't he been four years now, Cam Lewis? Has it really been has it really been that long for Cam Lewis? I think he's been like four years. He wouldn't be subject to waivers, but you make a good point because I'll say you don't think the New York Giants would love to have Cam? To yeah, they'll take anybody. They'll take
1: anybody. And, um, okay, so safeties, right? Micah, Jordan, Taylor Rapp, DeMar Hamlin, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, then you go to cornerbacks, and it's Trey, Dane, Kyrie, Benford,
2: Cam? You're putting Saran there? Saran's a corner. Saran a- yeah, Saran Neal is on this team. He is a major special teams player, and he's a guy that can be. I think Saran Neal could be a still a Buffalo nickel kind of guy, big nickel.
1: He's well, on- if you count all the people we just said, Cam Lewis and Taron Johnson, that's eleven defensive backs.
2: I let me correct myself. He would be subject to waivers. My fault. This is a, this he's going into his fourth year. Okay. The Giants, to me, the Giants might claim him. They might not. So you could get him out of the practice squad. I also want to say, I'm not predicting he doesn't make it. I think he's literally like right there at the cut line. And you're going to make the decision on numbers, which is what everything you're saying about special teams is that's when that comes into play. Okay. So yeah, there's,
1: there's a lot of trade options. I think the top one would be boogie Basham, And then after that, I think it's probably Shaq Lawson if there would be somebody out there willing to give you something for Shaq Lawson, and then it's probably an offensive lineman. It's probably one of those depth offensive, like, uh,
2: like, I don't know. Like a Tommy Doyle or or. Shakir on that list before that.
1: No, I wouldn't. I don't think they're ready to cut bait at that. I don't think, I don't think
2: so either. But if we're talking about guys who could potentially be like, Hey, we got to make a spot here. We got a guy with value.
1: Yeah. That's, it's a, it's a, good point but i don't think that they'll do it. Right. No, i think i think, exactly. I, I no, think they're I really think. like it, right. No, exactly. Okay, this is our last question. Um i had it queued up here. Oh, okay. Just how much more fun is training camp now than it was a couple of years ago when EJ Manuel was the cornerback and just like how different the vibe is? I mean, we've been out there every single day. Every single day it's packed. Every single day there's tons of energy. Every single day you get a legitimate battle between the offense and defense. I think for everybody involved, it's more fun. I, th- I think it's the atmosphere at Bill's training camp is awesome. And I've only been to a handful of training camps. Like I was there when they did the joint practices with the Steelers. I was there when they did the joint practices with the Panthers. So I've kind of seen that stuff. I've got other friends who work in other markets around the NFL and who have also spent time in Buffalo. And they're like, it's night and day, the Bills, compared to some of the other training camps. But, yeah, it's it's way more fun. I think it's a really, really cool place to be. It's a really cool setting. And even though it's a bit inconvenient for you know us driving back and forth to Rochester, I really like that they do it in Rochester still. I, I think that's really, really cool.
2: I think training camp is always fun because it's a new season and you have a lot of different – things you want to see and people you talk to all that kind of stuff. There's no doubt about it. Um, It's just more fun. I think covering a really good team, whether this training camp, regular season training camp was always fun to me because it was the start of a new NFL season. I love football, but yeah, you always had the, Oh, the hope of, Oh, could this team be okay? Like, you know, who's the quarterback now? It's all right. They're really good, man. You're coming out here. You're watching the team. They're buttoned up. They know what they're doing. So no doubt. And training camp has been fun this year with all the people, the people we've seen say hello to us. Out there, we're hanging out at night, we're going to barbill we're doing things like that. So, no doubt about it, Matt. Before we head on out of here, we need to take a second to thank our producer, Lucas Buckley. Lucas has I'm been Mr. with Luca. us over a year. We've been doing this show, we appreciate mm-hmm. everybody who's come aboard. And I think when you listen, when you watch, you probably don't know all of the things that go in behind the scenes to make it happen the graphics mm-hmm. you see, the breaks that you hear coordinating a time setting it up making sure that we look good or sound good hopefully that's our lucas buckley today is his final this episode is his final show fully producing for us who knows maybe down the road you know we'll see him again and we you know because he's gonna be hanging around he's an he's an odyssey employee but i want to bring him in and i'll let you talk about lucas i want lucas to come in to tell everybody what he's doing because it's a great thing and we're really proud of him but go ahead matt
1: No, Lucas, I just thank you for everything that you've done and for how easy you have made it for Sal and I. Because I don't necessarily know if you realize that, but we yeah. greatly appreciate it and we hate that you're leaving, but we're also really, really happy for you because we know this new opportunity is exciting for you. It's a good step in your career, so you will do great. Although I'm a little mad at you because I joked before we started the podcast, if you would emergency fill in for us, if we never needed you to, and you reluctantly said yes, it should have been a very energetic uh, you know.
0: So, Listen, you know I will. You know, I'm sorry I, I can't look nicer. I don't follow uh, your guys'
2: guidelines of uh, preparing to be on here uh, before coming on. Okay, but... no, that's okay. We wanted to give you some love. <laughs> tell everybody where Thank they you. can still find you and, and tell everybody what you're doing.
0: Well, uh, so I'm going to be doing uh, new, uh, anchoring news at WBEN, uh, 9 love to it. 11 o'clock every half hour, so 9, 930, et cetera. Um, so I'll be doing that and then just helping out during the morning news program uh, in the newsroom, writing articles and whatnot to contributing there, just summarizing interviews and stuff. And uh can I plug my Twitter? You to, yeah,
1: I was gonna oops. say I was actually gonna say Lucas also does or some saber stuff. Lucas also does some saber stuff that is yeah. really, really cool. Yeah, as you can so- see,
0: my uh my little poster back there, right? I have my little uh flags, my little um Simulated yeah, the rafters, right? Uh-huh. right?
2: The arena. Yeah, has the same thing. Those, um, you know, uh, banners hanging up. It's great. They're so, so cool. The Charging Buffalo, they do a lot of really good
1: stuff for the Sabres. You know, I'm a hockey nut. I know mostly now I cover football, but I watch every Sabres game every single year just because I'm a, a hockey Lunatic and a lot of times I follow along with their coverage, especially of like draft prospects and free agency news and all that kind of stuff. So they do good work and Lucas is involved in that. Thank so you. that's cool too.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Uh yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter, uh L V K E T C B because Luke T C B with the U was taken. So I took the V and said that. <laughs>
2: We'll make sure we tweet no. it out for everybody, or exit out. I guess you have to say. These <laughs> well, yeah, let let so me safer.
0: let me ask you this one question, Lucas. You
1: are a yes. big wrestling guy. Yes. Who is your favorite wrestler of all time? Of all time, um, CM Punk. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Sal, so, you know who CM Punk is?
2: I know who he is. I don't. I yeah. used to watch wrestling. I don't anymore. When I was a kid, my favorite wrestler was Jimmy Superfly Schnooker.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Classic. Classic. There.
1: I don't really have one. I
0: wish I had one. I, one.
1: I I, I don't know. Like, I if watched a little bit.
0: When I was a teenager. I,
1: yeah, I still watch. Like I watch the big. I'm not, I guess, into it enough to watch AEW. So like I yeah. know that that's like the hardcore wrestling show. Yeah. So that's I'll my, still that's my scene. <laughs> I'll still watch, probably like the big rest, or the big WWE events. I'll still watch yeah. WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, mm-hmm. SummerSlam. That's pretty much it. Those yeah. actually money in the bank too. Those four. Oh, yeah. Those would be the four that I watch. I don't have like uh oh my gosh, this guy's the best, or oh I, I don't have anybody yeah. like that, but yeah, I still casually watch. But yeah, you it's can a- follow Lucas for news, hockey, yeah. wrestling. <laughs> Primarily <That's- laughs> wrestling. <else right>?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. Lucas, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Thank, you, Lucas. You. thank you guys. Yeah, you got that That's Lucas Buckley. We'll uh we'll make sure we tweet out when we you know, put this episode up. And that episode's going to be on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you pod. Also at Sports on YouTube. Matt, have a great weekend and enjoy the red and the blue, return of the red and blue Friday night. Hope to see a lot of people out there as well, some listeners to say hi. I think we will. I got to figure out how early we're going to try and get to the stadium because I
1: know there's going to be tens of thousands of people there. So I don't think it's game day traffic, but I also don't think it's like driving there on a Wednesday morning for practice traffic. So I got to give myself a little, give ourselves a little bit extra time.
2: All right. For Matt, I'm Sal. For Lucas, I'm Sal. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast on audio and on video. It's always game day in Buffalo.